0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on Alternatives, brought to you by ADISA, the Alternative and Direct Investment Securities Association. For more educational content like this, please visit ADISA.org and check out the resource library. Uh, my name is Greg Maas. I'm your host today. I'm joined by Jay Frank, and he is the president of Cantor Fitzgerald Asset Management Thank you for joining us here My today. My pleasure. So we're going to be covering Opportunity Zones versus 1031, uh, but let's lay the groundwork first. Uh, most of the audience understands Opportunity Zones, but could you give a few basics for those that may not?
1: Yeah, there's a, it's a zone where there is an opportunity. Now, on, <laughs> on the surface, uh, they were created just about five years ago under the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act under the Trump administration. And essentially, the program is trying to encourage investment that creates economic development in lower income areas. So you can take capital gain dollars on the sale of any asset, short term or long term, invest them in lower income areas, and as long as those dollars are invested the right way in building buildings, uh, substantially improving buildings, or starting businesses, you can qualify to a host of lucrative tax benefits. So speaking of tax benefits, there's a lot of them. Um, walk us through those. Sure, I'll try and keep, keep it simple and hit the, hit the highlights. First off, if you have a capital gain, say you owned Amazon stock that you had bought for a million dollars and you mm-hmm. sell it for two million, if you, you just want to invest the capital gain portion, so just the million dollars of gain, if you do so, you defer the recognition of that tax until 2026. So instead of owing tax next year, you'd owe it in 2027. So you have all that additional, what would be tax revenue to the IRS working for you in your investment for an extra however many number of years, depending on the date you invest. The second and most material tax benefit is as long as you hold your investment for the minimum 10 year required hold period, upon exit from the OZ, your basis steps up to fair market value. Mm -hmm. That does two interesting things. One, any new gain that was um, uh, created buy your OZ investment over that decade-long hold period, it's all tax-free. The second one that's not intuitive is any depreciation that was recognized from owning real estate for 10-plus years, which should be substantial. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that depreciation recapture tax is also eliminated through the step-up. So when you take these benefits, and there's more ancillary benefits, but those are the, the main ones. When you add them all up, it can be a 50 to 75% all-in tax benefit Huge. versus someone that didn't do an OZ investment. Right. Depends on your state, depends on your tax bracket, depends on the return of the fund. But think 50 to 80 is how I quantify these, these tax benefits. Fantastic benefits. How effective do you think? It, the program has been in attracting capital
0: and making this development.
1: Yeah, you know, there, there's two ends to every, any trade, right? That's what makes markets. So that That's one that you, you read about in the news. Personally, uh, over $100 billion, is what I keep hearing, has been invested in OZs. You know, that, that's, a, that's a lot of numbers. You know, it's yeah. nine numbers. It's a lot. Of, that's a lot of money. And so when I look at the programs we've done or other peers in the space and how many buildings are going up in, in lower-income communities – I know that most of those buildings would not have been built had it not been for the OZ program. So I actually I I know it could be two or three or four X as large as it is. But this is a hundred billion dollars. I would say eighty five billion of the hundred wouldn't have got done had the tax benefits not been there. So I'm, I'm a big fan. So you just said it could be more. Why hasn't it been more? Great question. And you know when you think about the role of the financial advisor as the trusted advisor with the client. Uh, an advisor doesn't talk to clients about something they're not 100% knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. Human beings don't talk about things they're not 100% knowledgeable about. And so if there's a problem with the OZ program, it's the complexity of the program. And so people just aren't that comfortable talking about it. But that's why we do things like this, you know, educational series. As people spend the time to become experts, they realize that there's a larger and wider application. And I'm happy to help support that. So where have we seen... Most of the flows coming into QAZ's form. Yeah, you know, I, I hear from um, across the industry. I think it's pretty pretty consistent. Number one, the sale of business interests. You get you know savvy individual selling a business. Typically, usually it's a big concentrated game. They're looking for something to do something about a very maybe a multi million dollar tax liability. Whether it's their state planning attorney or their CPA, hopefully they're a financial advisor or one of the three at least mm-hmm. is bringing this idea. So we see big chunky. Transactions from business sales, so dollar amounts probably from that. Second and third, it's between stock sales and real estate sales. Okay. So on the stock side, maybe someone's rebalancing their portfolio. Maybe they owned a company that went public, you know, right? And they have a they have a gain. That gain can go into the OZ. But the most uh, the least the least uh, the most underutilized is the use of the OZ for someone selling investment real estate. So that makes sense because a lot of
0: the real estate actually gets 1031 exchange. We've seen a lot of growth in the 1031 exchange market. Um, can you compare and contrast, you know, from the real estate side,
1: should a person do a 1031 exchange or an OZ? Great question. I mean, section 1031 is awfully complicated. But we just celebrated its 100th anniversary a couple mm-hmm. years ago. So yeah. it's been around for many generations, and it seems very simple. But I bet you 100 years ago, everyone was like, what's this, right. what's this 1031 thing? So um, let me give you some of the material differences on the, on the surface. Number one, if you're selling an investment property, Greg, you have to take your entire in- proceeds of the sale. Your basis plus your gain, all of it needs to be exchanged into replacement property to defer 100% of the tax liability. In an opportunity zone, only the gain mm-hmm. needs to be or is eligible for investment. And that's, that's a material difference. Imagine having a $2 million property, million gain, million basis. In an opportunity zone, that million dollars of, of basis could come off the table tax-free. In a 1031, all $2 million have to go. Number two, I would say that a, a 1031 exchange tends to be preferred for someone that's looking for current income right away where an opportunity zone might generate income, but it might take a few years to get there because you're building buildings. So mm-hmm. you know, Until those buildings are built and stabilized and generating cash flow, an OZ is not going to generate income. So that's the second big consideration. The third, and, and this is a nod in the, in the benefit of the OZ, with, with, a, with a 1031 exchange, you can only swap and defer taxes indefinitely. You never get a step up from section 1031. You know how to get a step up, you, right. you pass away. You must pass away. Right. Not, the, not always the preferred method of, of exit. In an opportunity zone, once you've held for 10 years and exited the fund, you're getting a full step up as if you passed away. So people that have a longer life expectancy, you know, say you're 40 years old and you expect to live to 90 or 100 years old, sure. you're talking about having to defer for 50 or 60 years. Yeah. And if you happen to own the asset, like a lot of wealthy families do, in an irrevocable trust, your vocal trust never die. There's mm-hmm. never a step up. So an OZ, where you're getting this 10-year step up, you're getting out of the, the rat race, if you will, and taking getting your chips out to go home and, 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 and you know live to fight another day. I think that's a, that's a big benefit of OZ's over 1031 exchange. Great outline for that comparison. So let's get granular.
0: Let's say in what scenario would... A like QOZ be better, and then vice versa? What's, what's a good scenario when 1031 would be better?
1: I'll give you the bookends, okay. and then you can fill in the in-between. In the, the in Let's say you bought some land in Las Vegas for $3 million a few years ago. Good timing. Assets went up in price. Your land's now worth $4 million. you was you land, so you bought it with no debt. So you, just have, so you have a $3 million basis. You sell it for $4 million. If you want to do a 1031 all four million of those proceeds need to go in the replacement property. Right. All four. You get no liquidity. If you want to do an OZ, you get to take that initial three million of basis and put it in your pocket, tax-free, out of the game. The million goes into the OZ and enjoys the benefits of the OZ investment. If you ask me, that, I don't think that should anyone should ever consider a 1031 in that example. But again, that's that's a bookend, right? Sure. The other bookend, the the 1031 bookend, this gets a little more complicated. Let's say you bought an investment property for a $1 million a long time ago, 20, 25 years ago. You've depreciated it to zero. Your $1 million property, you're selling it. It's now worth $2 million. In addition, somewhere along the way, you put a $1 million of debt. So $2 million sale price, mm-hmm. $1 million of debt, no basis. Okay. If you want to do a 1031, all $2 million need to go in that replacement property. You defer all of your taxes. Right. If you want to do an OZ, you get that $2 million sale proceeds. The first million goes to pay off the bank, that million-dollar mortgage that you have. So you've got a million dollars of you know, cash in your, in your pocket, right? You have a $2 million tax liability though. You have a million-dollar sure. gain yep. and a million dollars of depreciation recapture. So if you want to defer all of your taxes with an OZ, $2 million needs to be invested in the OZ. You only have a million dollars on the table. So you'd either have a taxable event for a million or you'd have to come out of pocket and put a new million dollars. Do OZs get done in that situation? probably, but very, very rare. That's probably where a 1031 is is superior. Every case, almost every other case is somewhere in between those two. And I think what individuals and professionals will find when you run the analysis, 1031 versus 721 versus not paying taxes versus doing an OZ, you will see that an OZ is viable and probably in the client's best interest a lot more often than people people think.
0: Well, and that's the core of this message here is to kind of uh, open the
1: horizon, open people's eyes to that concept. So any key takeaways as we wrap up? Yeah, I think the key takeaways is how I approach this fiduciary responsibility. First of all, it's the right thing for the client. Second of all, we, what we find with financial advisors and CPAs that really become fluent in opportunity zones and 1031s and everything else, the value proposition that they're bringing to the table they're able to do a better job for clients, but they're able to win more business and really grow their practice. And ultimately, everybody, everybody wins.
0: Jay, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for watching. For more information about alternative investments, please visit adisa.org. Thank you.